Welcome to Women Beyond Faith, where we are finding freedom on the other side, one story at a time. For women who have walked away from faith, the challenges are often overwhelming, isolated, abandoned by family, misunderstood by partners, ostracized by friends, shamed for thinking critically, cursed for speaking out, subdued by the patriarchy. Thank you for joining us today as we provide a platform for women to speak up, to speak out, and to share their stories because their stories count. Their stories matter. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and anybody else that's joined us this morning. We have the extreme privilege of having Alyssa from Kansas City. Is it Kansas City, Kansas or Kansas City, Missouri? Are they the same thing? They are different, kind of. I mean, they're they're the same, but different. I'm on the Missouri side. (laughs) All right. Well, welcome. It's great to chat with you this morning. As you and I were talking before we hit record, I someone shared with me one of your TikToks from your at always authentical, authentic Alyssa. Uh-huh. And I just fell in love with you. So I, I said to Emma, I was like, can you reach out to Alyssa and let's get her scheduled. So thank you for being willing to be a guest on the show. Oh my gosh. I'm honored. Seriously. You were the first resource that I found when I first started questioning my faith. And so it just feels really, I don't know the word, like therapeutic maybe to be here. I don't know. I, it just feels really full circle for me. Wow. That's, I tell you, podcasts were a life giving resource for me when I was deconstructing. I don't know how I would have, um, I don't know how things would have gone had I not had that kind of like area for me to yes kind of just like listening to real life people talking about yeah. the their real life experiences that are so similar to your own it's exactly. so helpful yeah that we're not alone in this world and on this journey <clears throat> so let's just start back at the beginning okay. um tell me about your your family of origin and what sort of um christian faith you found yourself in sure so I was born in Wichita, Kansas, um, but when I was a little girl, we moved all the time. So I spent most of my childhood um, in the South, in like North Carolina and Georgia. Um, And my parents actually divorced when I was eight. Um, Before they divorced, we always went to like Southern Baptist churches. Mm -hmm. Um, But when my parents split up, my mom actually took me and my brothers and we moved back to Wichita and moved in with my grandparents for a while. Okay. And we started going to their church, which was a non-denominational evangelical church. Mm -hmm. And that is where I stayed until I I mean, until I graduated college, I was at that church for a really long time. Wow. And was that the church that your mom kind of grew up in as well? Um, no, it wasn't. My grandparents found that church in their adulthood. I think after my mom even moved out, um, my mom, I think they grew up going more to Baptist churches. Um, but my grandparents liked the music at this (laughs) non-denominational church. It was, you know, more, um, modern (laughs) Uh kind of hip. Yeah. So that's why they got, I think, drawn into that church. Um, so yeah. Wow. And so as a kid, you kind of had these, your, your, your mom as a single mom parenting you, but then your grandparents, it seems like were kind of a pretty big piece of your 
of your oh, life yeah. and you live with them. Yeah. Oh yeah. They were a huge part of my life. Um, you know, I didn't get to see my dad super often. So my grandpa kind of became a father figure to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when, um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought (laughs) all the time. I know. And then actually my senior year of high school, my mom actually moved. I I moved with my mom to Colorado, my junior year of high school. Um, because she married, she got married and her husband lived in Colorado. So I lived there for my junior year and I absolutely hated it. And I missed my friends and, you know, it was just hard being a junior in high school, going to a new school. Um, so I actually moved back by myself, my senior year and lived with my grandparents while my mom and brothers stayed in Colorado. Okay. And are your brothers younger than you, Alyssa, or older than you? Um, I have an older brother. He is almost two years older than me. And then I have a younger brother who is three years younger than me. And then I also have a stepbrother um, who's younger than me. And I have a half sister as well, who's 10 years older than me. (laughs) But my like nuclear family that I grew up with was just me and my two full biological brothers. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. And so in that transition with your mom, your single mom now to your grandparents' house, life kind of changed a little bit, obviously. And you guys became kind of more entrenched in evangelicalism than at that time. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had always gone to church every Sunday and we had always, um, you know, gone to VBS and everything. But I don't know, something about when my mom was around, like we moved back in with her parents um everything was much more like uh serious I guess yeah um but on the other hand it wasn't like my mom was going through a lot and so um at home it was kind of like especially once we moved out of my grandparents house we only lived there for a year Mm. um once we moved out it was almost like things were very secular while we were at home and we could get away with a lot. But then as soon as we were out in the world, or especially when we went to church, we had to put on face and we had to, um, it was all about the image. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So even though I wasn't necessarily required at home to be like the perfect little evangelical fundamentalist girl, um, I was not allowed to let on to people at church that I was that way at home, if that makes sense. Yeah. Gosh, that's something that can easily mess with, with right. The brain of a child that's developing. Oh yeah. It's been a lot to work through. (laughs) Right. And, and showing up as our authentic self and what does that mean? And putting on these masks and, um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's some, that's some tough stuff from an eight-year-old. I mean, for me, I grew up in a home that was not religious when I was my formative years, which mm-hmm. was, you know, kind of unique, I guess. I mean, it was dysfunctional in many, many other, other ways. Yeah. Um, and so I really felt like I was able, well, I mean, because of the other dysfunction, I did have to play the good girl, you know, and do the right things and, and follow, yeah. follow the rules so that my parents wouldn't have any means by which to blame me for the dysfunction. Of yes. So it was kind of a different, I guess, you know, there's different ways by which dysfunction obviously enters our world. Yes. Yeah. I re- I relate to what you're saying with that type of dysfunction too, because, you know, although I had the kind of freedom at my house to, you know, maybe drop a cuss word every now and then, <laughs> or, you know, just 
act more, a little bit more myself than um, I could when I was at church. Um, if I did something that was too out of line or um, that my mom just didn't agree with or she felt like she didn't have control of me, I was shamed deeply for those things. So, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that hurts me to the core of my being. Yeah. Yeah, Because I just, I I just, I feel that so greatly. You know, and as a parent, right? I mean, you're a parent now too. Mm -hmm. I mean, parenting is a really hard job. Um, Oh, yes. But yeah, that shame, I know I shamed my kids, especially my, my oldest, you know, my son, Josh, Mm -hmm. who's 25 now, just because I, I mean, lots of reasons, but I think primarily because I feel like I, I, I thought I was parenting him well, you know, the guise of evangelicalism and and Jesus and all that, and that he should be perfect too, you know, as my child, as I was trying to teach him to be perfect. And he poor kid, you know, he, he was a great kid, but, but not perfect. And I just, I can remember taking him in my gosh, he must've been like four years old or something at the time. And my dad was in town for a visit sometime around Christmas. And, you know, I think I really wanted to like, I don't know, show off to my dad or like show him that I was a good mom and life was going well for me. And and Josh was like whining. We were like downtown at like a train display or something for Christmas. Something that should have been so beautifully glorious and fun. And yeah. he was like whining. And I remember just taking him into the bathroom and like, you know, putting my finger in his face and just like, you know, get your stuff together, kid. Like enough of this crying, enough of this whining, you know, and just breaks yeah. my heart to no end, you know, because I, I just wanted him to, to be this perfect representation of who I wanted to be as a mom and as a Christian mom for damn sure. And he most certainly bore the brunt of, of the shame that I, he was, I don't know, like an easy target for me, you know? Yeah. But it's so hard because like, and and like, that's, that's why I don't blame my mom, you know, like when you're under, like when you're indoctrinated with like the toxic theologies in the evangelical church, like you, you're, you truly do have the purest intentions and you're just blind to how toxic and abusive these behaviors are, you know, for sure. And like, so normalized for you. Yeah. Yeah. And like in Christendom, right. When we believe that our children, when we're taught that our children are inherently, inherently evil, you know, yes. that there's this nature to them that we have to, as Christians, you know, beat out of them or shame out of them so that they will then choose to follow the one true path. Like it really is. Yes. You are. When, when my kids were born and I heard family members saying things like that about my kids, it really started. It didn't really, um, it took a while for me to get there to where I was really starting, really willing to start questioning that uh, doctrine within the belief system. Um, But that hurt me to hear people say like, oh, you look at them. You really can just tell they are sinful. They're born bad, you know? And I just wanted to be like, what the fuck? These are my beautiful children. Like, how can you say that about my babies? <laughs> yeah, look at them and they're innocent. They're a huge, they are a huge reason why I was brave enough to finally be wow. honest with myself, you know? Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, before we get to your becoming a mom, 
let's backtrack a little bit. Sure. So you graduated from high school, your senior year down in um, the Kansas area with your grandparents living with Mm -hmm. them. And then you, you went off to college. Yeah. So I chose to stay in Wichita for college. Um, but I moved into the dorms, so I didn't stay with my grandparents. Um, so I was in the dorms my freshman year. And then I also, um, after my freshman year, I moved in to a house with a few girls. We, um, there, one of the girl's dads owned this house and he just offered to let us pay the rent and live there for college. It was so awesome. It was so fun. Um, but all through college, I kind of still lived that like double life that was modeled for me. Um, throughout my formative years, like I would, um, I joined a sorority and I would like go to parties and I would, um, have my boyfriend over and he would sleep over. Um, but then every Sunday morning I would go to church every Thursday night, I would go to Christian challenge every, um, I think it was Tuesday evenings. I went to small group Bible study. Um, so I was like, I was really in it. Um, and anytime, Anytime that I would go to like parties or, you know, sleep over with my boyfriend, who's now my husband, um, I would shame myself. I'd just be like, why do you do this? Like, why, why can't you just dedicate your whole life to God? Why do you have to, why do you have to go to these parties? Why do you have to live of the world? You know? Yeah. Wow. I mean, and so you were placing the blame on yourself for not mm-hmm. being able to kind of met, meet the, the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, were, were there any times, do you feel like during those years that you were like, like something about this narrative doesn't quite seem right? Or was it always just kind of placed and directed toward you? Oh, th- throughout college, it was always, the blame was always on me. Oh. It was never Christianity. It was never God. I mean, if you had met me back then, there's no way in hell, you could ever get me to admit that there were any flaws with the Bible or any flaws with God, the biblical God. Mm -hmm. Um, there was no way. (laughs) My my whole salad. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I lived this like double life, like my whole identity, the only reason that I allowed myself to feel like I had any worth was because I was a child of God. Wow. Oh gosh. I'm so sorry. That's such a shit narrative. I know. And I didn't even realize how shitty it was no. <laughs> when I was in it, you know? No. I mean, and like for you, you know, who kind of grew up in the church, like, like, why would you, why would exactly. you question that narrative? Like mm-hmm. that's, and I, I yeah, wish God's I, perfect. I'm, I'm the sinful one. Yeah. It's, you're the fuck Exactly. <laughs> I know. I mean, it makes so much sense. And it's one, I, I would, I wish I could understand the dynamic for which why some of us are able to start asking questions and, and mm-hmm. taking that cognitive dissonance and evaluating it, right? Like, yeah. like, whereas so many others of us, like my extended family on my side and the entirety of my husband's family, my in-laws and all of his siblings and their kids, like they're, they, it's like, they're unable to even begin to do any sort of critical thinking into yeah. what it is. Like, you know, I, I mean, I feel like because I came to Christianity kind of, you know, as a young 
while an older teen, like 18, 19 years old, like I kind of had this like hmm, skepticism from early on, even though I stayed in for so long. Yeah. Um, so I can't even imagine for someone who grows up in that, like, I know it's got to be hard, but why, why is it that some of us, some of you, someone like you is able to kind of start asking questions and doing the evaluation and others just cannot even begin to go there. Like, like I wish I could understand like the, the psychology and the biology and the genetics, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I know. think, I think, you know, when I think about like people like my mom and my grandparents who are still just so deeply indoctrinated in it all, I, I, I think about how painful it truly would be for them to start being honest with themselves about that yeah. cognitive dissonance and those questions. Right. Because that would mean having to face so many mistakes and so much like time wasted. And mm -hmm. um, I know for me, like it's been obviously not as challenging as it would be like for someone who like my mom, right. um, who's lived so much more life than I have. But mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of shit that I had to face that I did when I was a Christian. Yeah. Um, and it's not easy to humble yourself and truly take accountability. I don't think that I ever truly took accountability um, when mm. I was a believer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I wonder, like, I, like, I feel like some of my ability to start questioning, you know, was, you know, had to do with like the person I was married to allowing mm -hmm. me freedom, the way that I was parented, though far from perfect, there was something that my mom kind of, um, as my mom was a non-believer, but like that kind of like imbued in me, like to like ask questions, you know, yeah. be curious, like you are a woman, I want to hear you roar. Like there was yeah. something that she built into me and, and that I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if we'll ever figure that out. That's kind of one of those mysteries about like, yeah. like, you know, consciousness and, but it's just a curious, a curious thing to me. So I know that stuff intrigues me so much too. <laughs> yeah, I know Sam Harris. Tell me, I mean, come on, someone out there, tell me why, tell me what, <laughs> how, I want to know, I want to understand. Mm -hmm. So your boyfriend, you met at college then, is that correct? It's so funny. We actually went to high school together. Aww. Um, so we've known each other since I was like, I think like 15 and he's a, he was a grade older than me. Okay. Um, so we were, we kind of had like mutual friends in high school. We had seen each other around. Um, and then he actually went to K-State for college, but he ended up coming back home to Wichita for some, like a buddy's party or something one weekend. And I met up with him that weekend and Aww. we just really connected and hit it off. And we've been together ever since. That's awesome. Does he have any kind of religious background himself? Well, that was the first question I asked him when we started like really talking. <laughs> I was like, so are you a Christian? <laughs> Very important. Um, and he kind of was like, well, I was raised Protestant. Like my mom raised me in the Protestant church and I was like, oh, good enough for me. All right. <laughs> and um, we didn't really talk about it that much after that. Um, he would go to church with me every Sunday, but like he was never, you know, he never wanted to go to small groups. He never was like invested in it. Like I was, right. and it always, it always kind of bugged me a little bit, but I was like, no, this dude is great. Like, why am I gonna, yeah. and I'm so, I'm so glad that I decided to not let that bother me. Um, but when I did start finally start questioning my religion, you know, I just straight up asked him, I was like, so what are your beliefs? Like, what? <laughs> tell me. 
and found out he's been he's been an atheist this whole time oh my gosh. <laughs> we just never talked about it wow and so how, he's been really helpful for me <laughs> that's great and how beautiful that the two of you were able to do life together you know for I those know. years you know with that being the case and that he didn't wasn't judging you you know you weren't judging him you were just kind of showing up and doing life together that's that's pretty special yes, I I've asked him like hey why did why did you put up with me like <laughs> I can see how like some of the toxic behaviors that I had back then like why why did you not ever talk to me and um he was just like, you know, it's not my place to change you. It's, I just Aww. wanted to love you where you're at. And I mean, that just goes, that just speaks volumes, you know, yeah. the difference between like the type of, you know, conditional judgmental love that I had when I was a believer um, mm. compared to his unconditional, just like super pure love for me mm. um, without any sort of theology attached to it, you know? Yeah. Wow. That sounds kind of healthy. You know, mm -hmm. like maybe more of us should be living our lives that way. I know he's, he's been teaching me a lot. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love it. So what, what did you study in college? I got my degree in elementary education. Okay. So I was, I taught fifth grade for two years, um, after graduating. And then I uh, started staying home with my kids. Oh, and so the parenting piece you said earlier was kind of um, something that got you asking some questions related to, to theology. Yeah. So, you know, kind of kind of describe for us kind of what what you experienced and um, what that looked like for you. So, I mean, I had always kind of known that I wanted to raise my kids differently than I was raised, but mm -hmm. I didn't really know what that meant. Mm -hmm. Um, like when I was little, my mom didn't let us watch Rugrats. We weren't allowed to say the word, but like everything was very, very policed. Yes. Um, and I just didn't feel like I was prepared for the real world. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to figure out, um, how to raise my kids to love Jesus, but also know how to function in the real world. And I didn't, quite understand that disconnect yet um but I had I had my kiddos I had my daughter in 2017 and my son in 2019 and I just anytime you know they would throw tantrums or you know question my authority or anything um even as little babies you know when they don't even have they didn't even have the you know developmental they, they weren't even developmentally ready to tell right. me you know to uh, communicate anything other than with temper tantrums. Yeah. Um, I would just get so triggered. I mean, my anxiety would go through the roof. I couldn't keep it together. And I had no idea why, like, and you know, the advice that I got from, you know, my mom and my grandparents was just, yeah, I mean, that's just part of being a parent. Like, it's just really hard to stay patient with those types of behaviors. Mm. Um, but then I started kind of researching and learning about um, gentle parenting, mm -hmm. um, where which is where you um, you don't ever shame your child for the emotions that they're feeling. You know, you validate those feelings, um, and you say like, "Oh yeah, it's okay. You can be mad right now. Like you can be mad all you want, but I'm sorry, we can't color on the wall. You know, like <laughs> validate the feelings and then keep the boundary." Um, oh, that's so and as, healthy. Yeah. So as I was learning to parent, um, like that, 
I started realizing that that is not how I was parented at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And so um, through another event that happened, which I can't, I am willing to talk about if you want me to, um, I ended up getting into therapy and I learned even more about how to break all that down with the parenting. Wow. Wow. But th- therapy was a huge help for me. Yeah, that's great. Was that the first time in your life that you had um, entered into therapy? Yeah, I mean, I did like, um, you know, like the court ordered therapy after my parents divorced and all of that, because um, my parents divorce was very, very traumatic for me Mm -hmm. um, for a multitude of reasons. (laughs) But um, I don't think the therapy that I went to as a kid was legit because I, they didn't help me work through anything. So, um, when I started going to therapy about a year or so ago, that, that really is the first time that I went to therapy and really got something out of it. Wow. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to find a therapist oftentimes that you can work well with number one, I like, like, um, you know, I've been to therapy a few times and, and, uh, my favorite therapist was a woman who was and still is deeply into Christendom, you know, but, and at the time that I went to see her, she was a lifeline for me and she helped mm-hmm. me get through some really hard days. Um, and I just got lucky. She had come highly recommended to me by a friend whom I respected greatly. And uh, she really worked well for me, but then I've tried a few times afterwards since I've been a non-believer Mm-hmm. And I just have had a hard time really connecting. I think my bar is much higher these days and I'm not willing to put yeah. up with this bullshit. And like, if, and I'm more likely to like, I found myself the last time about a year and a half ago, I was, I was so sure I needed someone who specialized in religious trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so convinced I had to work through this shit. And so I dug deep and hard to find someone whose specialty was in religious trauma. And like, she was a lovely person, but I found myself so quickly like like trying to make her feel good about herself oh no (laughs) here I go again Leah here you go again have you learned nothing (laughs) and so I I kind of you know held out with her for like six months hoping something would change there on on one of our sides and I it just was like I can't no so I have yeah so it's I so anyway yeah, I'm so grateful that you found someone that um, has been good and true and able to help you work through, through some of your shit. I got so lucky because, you know, it was during the thick of COVID yeah. um, when I finally decided like, okay, I, it's either therapy or I, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Yeah. Um, so I just got online and I did the online therapy yeah. and you fill out a questionnaire and they connect you with someone who they think might be a good fit for you. And I mean, I had just like an immediate connection with her. And if I were still a Christian, I would totally say it was a God thing because I was was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that the first therapist that they connected me with was who I needed to be with. You know what I mean? So, yay. So was that about the time that you kind of started asking some, some additional questions related to, Oh yeah. It started, it started pretty fast. Um, once I started therapy, um, so what the, what happened that like got me into therapy is, um, my older brother, um, has had an addiction problem since, Mm. uh, since I was like 12 and he was like 14. I mean, 
he's been in and out of rehab, um, never successfully. Um, and our family has just been through a lot trying to help him with his addiction. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was a time, I think it was in 2020, um, when he hit his rock bottom and he was in the hospital and I was the closest family member. I was three hours away, but I was the closest family member. So I had to, I drove out to him and wow. it was just, it was a very, very traumatic experience mm. and he's okay. I'm so, so thankful now. Like he's, he's, I think six months clean now and is, you know, he's doing better than ever now. Um, but I remember talking with my mom and my mom was just saying like, you know, if he would just come back to God, um, mm. this addiction would leave him and he could live such a fulfilling and happy life. And I was just like, yeah, but mom, where the fuck is God? Yeah. Because there's so many people who have been healed from their addictions. And we've been doing this for over a decade now. And I can't watch my brother go through this anymore. Like mm -hmm. I, I was like, where, where is God? Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. and so I felt so distanced from God mm -hmm. and was just like, is he even here? Does he even care that we're going through all of this? Wow. And, um, so that's what got me into therapy. Mm -hmm. And, um, I worked through some of that. Um, but I wanted to talk with her, you know, more about some personal stuff. And one of the first things, this is a kind of a major topic switch, but one of the things that I was really um, experiencing a lot of shame over in my life was I, I had been questioning my sexuality. Oh, yeah. And so I very hesitantly started talking to her about it. I was like, um, so I'm married, but I think that I might be attracted to women too. Uh -huh. <laughs> and and I expected her to just be like, whoa, okay. But she was just like, okay, like, have you thought about exploring that? And I was like, what? Like, I didn't realize that I was allowed to think right. about it, you know? Yeah. And this is where it all really changed for me was my therapist said, I want you to work on thinking about your sexuality and anytime you shame yourself, for the way you feel about another woman or another per any sort of, you know, about who you're attracted to. Anytime you feel shame, she's like, I want you to analyze that shame. And do you, do you feel shame because you have a personal issue with the behavior that you are doing? Or mm -hmm. do you feel shame because someone has instilled that shame in you? Yes. And as soon as she put it in words like that, it was like, I applied that logic to every single part of my life. Wow. And soon I traced everything back and figured out that every little ounce of shame that I ever felt about myself or my life or anything came from Christianity. Aww. And I was just, it was just like, oh, whoa. Like, really? I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to do this <laughs> to get wow. to the point where I actually like myself. Yeah. Um, so it was a big, and I remember telling my therapist that I was like, you know, I think um, 
I figured out why I feel so much shame about everything that I talked to you about. <laughs> and she was like, really? Like, what do you think it is? And I was like, I think it's my religion. And she was like, oh boy. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that's deep. Yeah. Goodness. And this was just like, this has been within the last year, right? Oh yeah. It's been fast. It's been really fast. Well, it's like you were... It's, it's so curious to me how for some folks like yourself, like it, how quickly it can happen, how all the pieces just kind of fall together. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Fuck that shit. Yeah. You know, whereas others of us, it's a 20 year slow cut, you know, cut mm-hmm. by cut kind of a, where we're finally able to, to, uh, yeah, look at things critically and accept, accept that to be the case. What's interesting is I, you know, I figured out that my, all my shame came from Christianity. Um, but my original thought process was, okay, I just want to like figure out how to approach my faith, um, from like a more healthy, right. Like mindset, you know? And so, um, I mentioned earlier, I don't, I've never really had a, a close relationship with my dad. Um, a lot of it's been really rocky, but Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that wasn't, some of it was his fault, but a lot of it wasn't. A lot of it was um, things that my mom had told me about him that, you know, I just took as truth um, and just chose to distance myself from him. Mm. Um, But when I started questioning Christianity and figured out that the root of my shame came from my religion, I was too scared to ask my mom any of the questions I was having. Mm. Um, But I, I reached out to my dad and, you know, I wasn't willing to question the character of the biblical God yet, mm-hmm. but I was willing to start questioning the like accuracy of the Bible. Wow. And so I, I, I texted my dad and I was like, Hey, I have some pretty random and deep questions for you. <laughs> um, and the first question that I asked him was about Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. I was like, so, you know, Adam and Eve were placed in this garden God told them not to eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge or whatever. Eve did it anyway. And thus sin was created. Humans <laughs> suck now. Um, <laughs> and I was like, dad, do you think that say Eve had resisted the temptation? Do you think that the temptation would always be there for generations and generations? And like, eventually someone would just fuck up and we would have a fallen world. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, well, yeah, probably like, Uh, And my dad is still a believer. He's not religious at all, Mm -hmm. Um, but he does still believe in God and does still believe in Jesus. Um, And so he was like, yeah, I think that eventually someone would have, you know, been tempted by the devil and we all would have fallen. And then, you know, that for me was just like, well, if God knew that this was going to happen, like, you know, it just, it started breaking open some of that cognitive dissonance for me. Um, And I just remember, you know, I had all these questions and he, he asked, he was like, so what, what is, uh, prompting you to ask all these questions? And I was like, well, you know, dad, I, I feel like I've always kind of had questions, but I've never really had a safe place to ask them. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Hey, I just want you to know that it's okay for you to question everything and define your own happiness. And that right there getting that like parental like permission yeah Yeah. um and I've told him this I was like that changed everything for me um to like really 
not only ask questions about the accuracy of the Bible, but to also start questioning the character of God. Yeah. And, um, I actually, I had my dad write those words out in his handwriting and I plan on getting it tattooed on my arm this year. (laughs) Gosh, Alyssa, that is like so beautiful, you know, kind of like a, like an about face in that like relationship Mm -hmm. piece with your, with your dad. Oh yeah. I'm so, I'm so thankful. Like this, um, deconstruction journey, you know, I've lost a lot and it's been so painful on so many levels, but um, I have been getting closer to my dad mm-hmm. and that is something that I have longed for my entire life and I'm probably uh-huh. going to get emotional, uh-huh. um, but he has just been so unconditionally there for me, Aww. doesn't judge me for the questions that I ask and doesn't judge me for the process that I'm going through. Um, he's just there for me and I've never experienced that any sort of advice that I've sought from role models in my life, Mm -hmm. um, growing up always came with like some sort of like, um, you know, like it's okay to question, but you must make sure that you come to the right conclusion that you must come to the correct answer that I need you to come to, Right. you know, and I just don't feel any of that pressure from my dad. Oh, that's so, um, so it's been really healing for me to cultivate that, like that relationship with him more. I love that. I love that for you. I love that for your little family, for mm. like, your kiddos. Thank you. And, uh, that, I mean, my dad passed away like, um, unexpectedly very quickly about the time mm-hmm. that, and when I was kind of in the middle of starting my deconstruction process and my dad was, um, a total rebel, like my entire childhood from like his 20 to 40 years old time, the two decades that he would have been like trying to raise me as his child. And um, I hated my dad as a teenager. You know, he did not show up for me on a regular basis, but he always was this authoritarian figure trying to tell me how I should live my life, even though Mm -hmm. he was not um, a Christian during those years. But then he found Jesus my freshman year of college. And, um, you know, he was somebody who ended up getting baptized multiple times. And anyway, like he was all in, you know, I felt like he was all into the faith and like, there's just so been so many days and there were so many days and so many questions that I wanted to, to ask him and like, dad, how do you square this in your brain? Yeah. You know? And, and it's been one of the largest vacuums I feel like in my life that I have not had that, that's that safe person. Kind of like I'm hearing you talk about, you know, yeah. how you've been able to manage this with your dad. And it's, I'm so grateful that you, you have that. And that you guys are able, cause my dad and I, we worked through a lot of our shit from those years, you know, but none of it had, we kind of bonded over our, our mutual Christendom, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and me leaving the faith. Like I, I just, I just imagine these conversations that we would have been able to have and, and how could I have helped to reason him out of his faith? You know, what would those conversations have looked like and what would his answers have been? Yeah. Some of these questions. And, uh, and remember when he passed away, I, I was so hopeful that there was a heaven, you know, and that there would be a day that I would be able to see him again. And yeah, anyway, that giving that reality up that I'm never going to see him again. I can just imagine these conversations and, and it's kind of nice in a way, I guess I can kind of imagine that they would go as lovely as yours have been going with your dad. 
Yeah. <laughs> as, lo as lovely as they've gone with my dad, that's been quite the opposite with my mom. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. And so, so you have broached then some of these topics with your mom then over the past year, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, honestly, I think it was a mistake to talk with my mom about these things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't take it back because, you know, it's really kind of helped me realize that I needed to put some distance between my mom and I, I've always been so close with my mom. Aww. I mean, um, so, so close. I I've always told her everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I, and, and she lives near me, she, she lives in my neighborhood. Aww. So I, I see her often and, you know, she, would come over and play with my kids. I would go to her house and we would, she has a bunch of toys at her house for the kids. So, you know, I was there, I'd, I'd see her at least once a week. Mm -hmm. And when I started questioning my faith and like believing different things and struggling with different things, it started to become really, really challenging for me to be around her. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I just felt so anxious not being able to talk to her about the things yeah. that I was going through and just like being so worried about what she was going to think about it. Hmm. And so I very slowly started um, telling her that I was questioning Christianity and, you know, I, I, I told her like, I no longer believed in hell. And I told her that I thought it was complete bullshit that uh, <laughs> my kids were inherently bad, you know? Yeah. Um, like that I did not believe in that doctrine anymore and um, kind of started opening up to her a little bit about how I was like severely traumatized by my religious upbringing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she was just like, it's okay to question Alyssa. I'm here for you. Um, but then I ended up having a pretty big conversation with her where I was just like, mom, you're not going to understand this but I'm going to tell you anyway, I am an atheist now. And I, 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 I'm severely hurt by the church. I disagree with so much of what's taught. Um, and I, you know, like I went into a lot of detail with her about the wow. ways that I'd been hurt wow. and, you know, she told me she loved me unconditionally, but um, she also told me that she believed I was being controlled by the devil and that I was going to be going to hell and, you know, hearing that shit from your mom does not feel good. <laughs> no, nope. just like, do you not think that I am a smart, intelligent human being who's capable of thinking and making decisions that are best for me? Like, you really think that this is just the devil in me? Yeah. Um, but it's been, it's been a ride. I mean, she, she's been breaking boundaries a lot yeah. since that conversation. And, um, I have had to put a lot of distance. I don't speak with her right now. Oh gosh. Um, that's rough. It's, it's really hard. Um, just because how close I was with her yeah. and, you know, but before I had these conversations with her, you know, I had it built up in my mind that, you know, I'm her kid. She'll listen to me. And I could be the thing that makes her rethink these things. You know, I could be, yes what helps her finally see the light, you know? Yep. Um, and to be honest, I kind of thought about you with your son. Like your son was a huge reason why you started questioning yes, things. Totally, Alyssa. And so I kind of, you know, I, I was thinking about your story and I was just like, I really, 
hope that my mom can see me and hear me. And I thought that she would, I really thought that she would. And so when she didn't, um, I was just like, okay, this is a sign that I have probably shared too much Mm. with you. And it's now time that I need to reevaluate this relationship. And it's um, necessary, but it's also just so painful because that's my mom, you know? I know. And you guys were so close leading up to Mm -hmm. this time. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. I, um, I, as a parent, you know, like I know when Josh first, first came to us kind of like, you know, saying he was questioning all these, all these things. I didn't want to hear it early on, you know, like, no, I didn't want to hear it. You need to get in line, son. And you Mm -hmm. do these things. And as much as you're going to like, listen to Christopher Hitchens and read his books, you need to be reading the Bible. You know, you need to balance that out. Like, you know, I, I, I was, I was, I showed up in a very shitty manner with him for those first few years. And I think so much of it was that I was threatened. My foundation was threatened. And like, you know, as a parent, like raise your child up in the way that, you know, he or she should go. Like, I, I really wanted to believe that to be true. And so then what did that say about me? as a Christian mom, you know what I mean? Like that meant that I had failed so greatly that here was my son telling me he is an atheist, you know? Yeah. And fortunately, you know, when I finally found, um, a space where I was not so threatened, you know, and I was able to kind of start looking into some of the resources that he recommended for me to look into, mm-hmm. you know, I, it, here I am, you know, it didn't take that long. Yeah. And I have the utmost respect for my kid, you know, I mean, and the fact like how, like, like the feelings that you're feeling Alyssa right now, like from your mom, like I know my kid felt my Josh felt that similarly, yeah. You know, but, but I was just so threatened by him. And I'm assuming, you know, that's a big part of what your mom is feeling. Cause she's so convinced that she has the truth, yeah. you know, this foundation yeah. as was I. And, um, and see, I, it feels, it's so helpful to understand that, you know, it has nothing to do with me. Like I know I, I completely acknowledge that the reason my mom is behaving the way she is, is she, she is threatened and yeah she is victimizing herself and, you know, saying like, what did I do to make my daughter become this person, you know? Uh, right. But really it's not about that. No. It's, it's about, um, this is my journey, you know, and I am my own human and, yeah. um, I, I can make decisions that are what's best for me, whether or not my mom agrees with them or not. Yeah. And, you know, she, she's not to a point in her life where she's ready to listen and really hear the things that I'm saying. And that's okay because yeah, I, I, I wasn't, I, you're not ready to hear it until you're ready to hear it, you right. know, and you're not ready to accept it until you're ready to accept it. And nobody can force you, um, right to, to get there. And I think once I dropped that mindset of like, maybe I could be the thing that will help my mom see things. Like once I dropped that, yeah. um, it became, you know, I had to go through a lot of grieving 
And yeah. I still am grieving oh, yes. to an extent. Um, yeah. But realizing that like, I don't have to take on the hurt that my mom's feeling right now, the way that she's taking on yeah. all of what I'm dealing with is so helpful to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and cool. all I can do is just hope that one day she gets to a place where she's ready to start confronting her own traumas and her own wounds and yeah. start taking accountability, you know? Yeah. And if she is, you know, like right now I need distance from her. Yeah. Um, but one day, you know, if, if there is one day when she is willing to um, start asking those questions and being truly honest with herself, I'm, I'm here for her, you know? Yeah. I don't blame her. I, I love her deeply. Yeah. So. It's so hard. I mean, I think that's a piece of this process that's hurt me so greatly is those folks that knew me so intimately, right, in Christendom, my you know, my in-laws, <clears throat> my good friends, and that there's been so few folks like interested at all in what my process was Yes, and, you know, so asking hard. any questions and well, why have you changed? Like no one's asked me why I have one friend who has asked me why and how right? Yeah. No one else is interested. Again, just like your mom said, they think that we have been deceived and that somehow sin entered our home. Yeah. Well, sin already was always a part of it, but the devil himself entered our yes. home. When Josh, and we allowed that as parents when Josh started questioning, you know, and subsequently our entire family has just been hoodwinked by the devil now. And we are, and they can't even begin yeah. to And it makes me so sad for them because just like you, like, I believe there's this quote by um, Matt Dillahunty, who's like one of my favorite atheists, yeah, pastor, but it's like, believe as many true things as possible. I want to believe as many true things and as few false things as possible. Yeah. I just think that's a good motto for life. Why in the hell would we want to buy into and believe and live our lives by things that are falsities? Exactly. You know? Exactly. But most people can't, you know, like they're, I don't, they just are so convinced that the things that they have are so True. I remember Josh early on, like just some basic things that now I'm just like, hello, you know, why is it that depending upon the region in which you are raised, you are going to be Christian or you're going to be Muslim or you're going yes. to be Hindu, right? Like basic shit or like, yeah. you know, Adam and Eve sinning or like, where did their, where did the wives come for like Adam and Eve's sons? That meant they would have slept yeah. with their wife, like just shitty, shitty things. I know. <laughs> Once you realize it, you're just like, how did I not see it? How did I not I know. get it back then? But you yeah. know, you're told, you're told like, these are the truest truths. These are the only truths. And then, you know, the church also puts in your mind that anyone who like mm -hmm. questions it, like they're stereotyped as like the devil's got a hold of them. They're choosing to like, when I first realized that I was an atheist, mm -hmm. I was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I truly thought that atheists um, knew that God existed. They were just mm -hmm. choosing to deny him because yes. they wanted to live in sin. That's what I thought an atheist was. Uh -huh. And then when I realized I was an atheist, I was like, oh, 
no, I'm still me. I just <laughs> don't think that theology gives me answers to life questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I had to like really learn to accept that part of myself. Like yeah. it's not like you can't choose what you do or don't believe, you right. know, like, no, no, it's not my fault that I don't believe a God exists. I mean, yeah. sure. There's a possibility. Like no one knows. Right. Um, but I don't have evidence to believe that God exists. So why would I base my whole life around the Bible when it, when it hurts me, when a lot of its doctrines are toxic for me? I know. Yeah. You cannot unsee what we've seen, you know, like I cannot ever put all those things back into a box again and lock them down in the basement, you know, like, and it's hard, that's hard sometimes to like understand that and be able to, for me to like, to put it to words when I'm talking to someone who, who is kind of like, Oh, it's a choice to believe. No, it's fucking not a choice yeah. to believe. Yeah. And then like, like, like we've experienced, and I think like so many people in Christendom, like all this trauma associated with it. I mean, whether we're, we're women and the misogyny or, or the shame piece for me has been so crucial and so critical. Yeah. And like, fuck that shit. Yeah. I've got nothing to be ashamed for by, right? Like, no, I am a fucking badass woman showing up in this world, doing the best damn job that I can do. And I can't always show up and be amazing, you know? Like, sometimes I want to go take a nap. Yes. All fucking day long. And that's okay. And like, there's just such this this freedom that comes with shedding all of that shit and I like to hope you know I don't know I've thought like you thought too that people are gonna want to ask questions and they're gonna want to listen to my story and they're gonna to start asking the questions but but they've, they've already been yeah they've already been told what to think about us and yeah who we are, you know yeah. and they're not doing that and so now I just kind of I don't know I just kind of show up and you know I think I'm kind of awesome. My husband's kind of awesome. My family's kind of incredible. And we just show up in all our beauty. And like, like, if you want to, like, I, I just hope we just are doing mind fucks with everyone. Like, how can I they know. still be so nice? How can they I still know. be so kind? And that maybe that will somehow get them to become better versions of themselves as Christians. But yeah. it, thus far, that has not been the case. We have received um, much criticism and, um, yeah, I think, I think that piece of Christians believing that they're inherently bad and sinful is probably one of the biggest things that makes it hard for them to understand Mm. us. Yeah. Because like, I now, like, I don't, I don't think sin is real. It was a made up thing by man to explain why we make mistakes. Um, but I think like, you know, we don't sin, we don't make mistakes. We just learn lessons. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to analyze the behaviors that you had and you're like, oh yeah, when I did that, it hurt my friend. So I don't think I want to, I don't think I want to behave that way anymore. Or, oh yeah, when I did that, I felt really bad about myself. So I think that's something that I don't necessarily need to be doing in my life. Mm-hmm. So then you take action to change that. And thus you're no longer entrenched in that quote sin you know Mm -hmm. like we're just willing to live our lives without judgment and when you're not judging yourself it's so much easier to change your behavior when you when it's necessary yeah yeah 
So how they get, they get stuck in the, Oh, what does God think of me? You know? Yeah. It's impossible to have a conversation, you know, with, with folks with that mindset, because, um, yeah. And I know they're always like praying for me. You know, I have one of my aunts, one of my dad's sisters, who is one of the only ones that like regularly contacts me. And she's super into Christendom still and believes that she has all the answers, but she's kind of like the token aunt that'll show up and like check in with her, you know, atheist niece. Yeah. Um, and, but she doesn't ask any of those, any of the questions, but she still loves me so well. And like, I desire that, you know, from everyone, but I know they're all judging us and judging me and praying for us to see the light. Like I used to be involved in this every Tuesday morning, my Christian aunts, my dad's five sisters had this like prayer group time um, that we would do at the same time together. And we would text each other different things. And I, I joined that. I don't remember for how long, for a couple of years, maybe while I was trying to like, hold on, like, maybe I just need to pray more, you know, mm-hmm. or, and, um, and I remember the sorts of prayers that I was praying for my son and for my husband during those times. And, you know, so, so I, I know the means by which they're going about this thing, trying to yeah. pray us back into the kingdom and, and setting up boundaries so that the evil, you know, the contagiousness of the devil amongst us is not, you know, gonna like enter into their worlds, yeah. but it's so it's, it's, it's very painful still for me. Um, and I mean, I think that that's, I, I, I think it's okay to feel that pain and to be saddened and to still grieve that um, those relationships and that wanting them to hear me and to know me fully. Like they fucking knew me then and they loved me deeply, you know? And then this one thing changes and now it's like, they see you in a whole different light, you know? So much conditional love and yeah. uh, yeah. But anywho, anywho. So, so how has in the last year, how has life changed for you? Like your relationship with your, with your spouse, parenting your kids. Are you still a stay-at-home mom at this stage of the game? So I realized that I never really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. (laughs) (laughs) It was just just what you were supposed to do. Yeah. That's what I was supposed to do. Um, so that's what I did. And, um, I honestly, I don't even know if I was meant to be a teacher either. That's just mm-hmm. something that I'm good with kids. So why not? Um, but I am currently working part-time. Um, I'm working at a retirement home, which is so fun. <laughs> um, and then the other half of the time I am home with my kiddos. Okay. So it's been a good balance. Um, I do think I will go back to teaching. Um, and then I hope to get, um, my master's. I want to go back to school for counseling. Oh, wow. Um, and I actually have thought about becoming a therapist with religious trauma as my specialty. Well, wow. (laughs) Look at you go. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Yes. I think, um, since leaving religion, I, I mean, obviously there's been so much hardship, like, you know, digesting everything that you right. have to unlearn and relearn. Um, but I have never been happier at the same time. Um, everything just feels more authentic. Like I feel 
free to be myself. Aww. And I feel that I don't feel the need to try to keep people in my life who don't want to accept me yeah. for who I am. Mm. Um, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but like, I'm learning to like how to genuinely love my husband. Um, because I think when I first got married, you know, we got married so young. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 22 and he was 24. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we were pressured into getting married by my parents, mm-hmm. um, my mom and my stepdad. And we had no idea who the fuck we were, let alone like, <laughs> like who we were as individuals, let alone how to be like spouses to one another. Uh-huh. Um, but I think, you know, since leaving religion, I've been, you know, unlearning all of the gender roles yeah. and all, I mean, that gender roles were huge in my life. Wow. Um, you know, both at home and in the church they were very huge. Um, and so I, you know, I put a lot of huge, huge expectations on myself as a wife and as a woman. Um, and I've kind of since leaving religion have realized that like, I don't, I don't really identify with a lot of what a woman necessarily is supposed to be like (laughs) in society. Um, Honestly, and like I um, have changed my pronouns to she, they, like I, I don't mind being perceived as a woman, but I also like, there's just something about being perceived as just a human that is so like liberating and validating to me. Oh, I love that, Alyssa. I have not heard that said before. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't think that, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm fine with the she, her pronouns, but. Um, like I have on my TikTok that my pronouns are she, they, and anytime someone refers to me, um, with they, them pronouns, I'm just like, wow, like they are not perceiving me as this, like, like when I think of woman, I, and I still need to deconstruct some of this. I think, um, when I think of a woman, I think of like, you know, what the Bible teaches a woman should be like meek and like quiet and agreeable and helpful and, um, as I become more authentically who I am, like, I am not those things. Like I am loud and I like to (laughs) say the word fuck. And I like to listen to punk music. And I like, you know, like, I just, I'm very different than like the Psalms 31 woman, you know? And so kind of learning that about myself has been very helpful in my marriage because I don't put I don't put pressure on my husband to be the head of the family. And I don't Uh put pressure on myself to be this perfect little doting wife. Um, We're partners and um, we get to define what marriage is to us. Um, We don't have to look to a book or to the church or to anything to tell us what's right and wrong for our lives. How is he handling this kind of transition in your roles? Um, I think, (laughs) I mean, obviously I think he's very happy that I am finally, um, you know, opening my mind a little bit. He never, ever pressured me. He never even made me think for a second. He had any sort of qualm with my religion. (laughs) Um, but he did say that the number one thing that he's thankful for is that, you know, I always used to say like, I, uh, you know, we talk about like who we would want our kids to go to. Should anything happen to both of us? Yeah. And I would say, well, like, I don't know. I just, I I just want 
whoever they end up with, they have to be taught about Jesus. Like they need to know Jesus. And my husband says that that's like the biggest piece for him, that he's just like really thankful that um, we don't have to raise our kids in that anymore. Yeah. Um, Awesome. But he's been so patient with me and so understanding. And he, like I said, he did not have like the same religious experience I did. So as I've been learning and um, as I've been learning about all of the trauma I've been going through my whole life without even knowing it, um, he's also been learning about it too. He, he just thought religion was something people turn to for a source of comfort. He didn't realize how abusive it can be. And so um, I love that he's willing to learn about it with me so he can be part of the solution, you know? Yeah. That's beautiful. Wow. Damn girl. What a year it's been for you. <laughs> it's been a wild ride. <laughs> I'm so, and I'm so happy to hear your brother is doing well. Yes, and, he uh, is. Yeah. That's good news. And I'm so grateful for beautiful people like you, like showing, being able to show up for him in such a beautiful way. And I mean, like the pieces of our lives that end up taking us down these crazy paths to deconstruction. I mean, they're, you know, they're different for each of us. And, yeah. and uh, it's interesting how that, that pain, you know, and the struggle that your brother has had played that, played that bit of a role in your. Oh yeah, for sure. Process. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so as we're coming to the close of our time together, um, your life has obviously improved since leaving religion. You're feeling freedom. You're changing up these gender roles and your relationship. You're back yeah. to work. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're being able to show up as an even more gentle parent with your yes. kiddos. Um, what sort of advice do you have or would you give to other women who are either struggling, you know, asking themselves some of these questions or who have left religion and find themselves on the other side? I think the biggest thing for me was just being patient with myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like not judging myself, you know, um, it's so easy when you start questioning religion and, you know, even leaving religion to, you know, you stop believing in some of the doctrines and theologies, but it's, it's, it's so hard to unlearn the mindsets that have been so ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, judgment of yourself is one of those huge things that is just, just comes naturally to you when you're raised in the church. Um, but when you start questioning, if you can learn to just show yourself so much grace and just drop that judgment. Um, and like my dad said, question everything and define your own happiness. Like just stop worrying about what other people are going to think. Um, I think as long as you have pure intentions and you're not afraid to be like truly honest, like you're going to end up where you're meant to be as your most authentic self. And you're not alone. Like it feels like you are because your whole community and maybe even your whole family believe something totally different. And you might think they would never question, have the questions that you're having, but, um, I just know it's been helpful for me to know that I'm not alone. There's other people out there who have been through this. Yeah. Um, 
and you're not crazy. They're going to try to gaslight you and tell you that you are, but you're not. <laughs> you're not crazy. Yeah. And we're not, yeah, those, that's great. Yep. We're not alone. Oh yeah. Amen. I mean, how have you, so you guys have obviously not been going to church for the last year or so, right? Yeah. So I actually, when we had, we got married in 2016 in Wichita and then we moved to Colorado right after we got married um, for just a couple years. So my daughter was born shortly after moving to Colorado and I did not want to take her to a nursery where I didn't know anybody at the church. Mm-hmm. So we kind of stopped going to church in like 2017. Mm. Um, but I was still, you know, like praying and listening to worship music and reading my Bible. And I would tune in online sometimes to a service. I would always go at Christmas and Easter. Um, but then when we moved to Kansas city in 2018, um, and then had my son in 2019, I was like, okay, I'm not going to another random church. You know, my family was trying to get me back into church. Yeah. Um, but then after my second baby was born, I was like, nope, same thing. I'm not going to take him to a nursery where I don't know and trust the people that would be taking care of him. And then COVID happened. And so obviously no one was really going to church then. (laughs) And then, you know, during all that COVID stuff, seeing how evangelicals worshiped Donald Trump was also a huge red flag for me. I was like, I do not want to be associated with these people. (laughs) Yeah. Hell no. I know. (laughs) And I tell you, it, it's true what they say, right? Like when we start, stop having that regular church attendance, like I remember people, you know, when we would go at these phases where we would like leave a church for, because the pastor had another affair or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. we would go these spouts of time without going to church. You know, there were friends of mine and family who would be like, you guys need to find another church, you know, because like, they know that, you know, when you have that distance between you and you're not getting, you know, those, those theological preferences that are being preached at you from the stage are not happening. And you're not singing the songs to kind of confirm the things that they're telling Mm -hmm. you and you put that distance between you that there is an, uh, a greater likelihood that yeah. you will kind of like, okay, life's not bad. Look at this. You know, I didn't get struck by lightning here. Like it's not bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that was, that could have been the beginning of the end for you, Alyssa, with that not going yep. to church thing. You just start learning to think for yourself, you know? Yeah. That's dangerous. The the worship piece at church was, I think, the huge thing that kept me going back. Like the music. I always really connected with the music. Yeah. Um, And I've since learned. I saw um, this video where this girl was on TikTok. um, And she's actually become my friend since uh, I started sharing my story on TikTok. Her name's Christy. Um, But she she wrote, she made this video about how she believed worship was immoral. I was like, whoa, what, what does that mean? And she talked about how, you know, when you're, you're singing these worship songs, you know, a lot of the songs are like, I am nothing. I am broken. I need you. Um, like you have to diminish yourself down to nothing in order to exalt your God. Yeah. And when I realized that I was like, yeah, there's no way in hell I'm ever going back to church. Like I was just, I was just abusing myself the whole time I was worshiping and called it, you know, connecting with God. Yeah. Such manipulation, you know, I know there's this woman, um, 
she used to be like um, the worship leader at the last church that we went to and um, beautiful, very talented, like former model. Anyway, she has since gone to this huge mega church. My church was a mega church, but she moved to this huge mega church out in Colorado mm-hmm. Springs, I think somewhere. And she has recently started this hashtag. And I think she's writing a book, um, something like raised to stay, I think is the hashtag raised to stay. So she, you know, and I'm just like, that is such a bunch of shit. So, you know, she's a master manipulator up there on the stage, you know, and does the job fantastically. But like, so her dad was a pastor, I think. So now like she's, she's writing this book about, I was raised to stay. So I, I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like you're turning off all of those critical thinking pieces of your brain. You can't ask any of the fucking questions. Like it's such a shitty narrative. Anyway, like I'm still friendly with her and I still follow her, but like, I just, it's the exact opposite of how we were, um, how we evolved as, as, you know, as human species, like, no, that's just makes me so sad for her as this beautiful, strong woman coming out with this shit narrative or believing this narrative. Anywho, I agree with you with, with the, with the worship piece. That's just, um. I, I love that too. And yeah, what, why did I love that about, yeah, you are a piece of shit, Leah. I know, it again. Right? <laughs> like why? And those were like my favorite worship songs, just like the self-loathing ones. Like, oh, it's yeah. just, and it makes me like, you know, you, you look back on that time that you spent and you thought that that like worship and prayer and spending time in your Bible was like the most important thing that you could be doing and um, going to church. And now I look back at it and I'm just like, I like mourn the time that I Mm -hmm. could have had, you know, like I, I hate that I didn't get the childhood that I deserved. I hate that I believed that the most worthy thing that I could do was to just shit talk myself and believe that I was nothing. And exalt this narcissistic abusive abusive god like yeah I wish that I could have that time back but I'm that's why I feel so passionately about talking about it now because people don't realize no you know what they're putting themselves through I know when they're in it yep and girlfriend you are 27 years old and I I mean it just brings me like chills you know, to know that you, you are out, you are becoming your, the healthiest version of yourself. You're going to be able to parent your children in such a better means. You are bringing this true life and love and freedom, you know, speaking that into the world. And, um, I totally get that regret over years, decades wasted. Um, but, but here we are today, right? almost 2022 and we're continuing to learn how to show up in all of our awesomeness and that that I don't know that positivity that beauty that truth telling that we're bringing to the world like I I feel similarly like like it's powerful yeah and the world needs it and the more of us that are showing up and as our authentic selves our authentic they's I Mm -hmm. mean like I, I just, I know, I don't know. I say I'm hopeful for the future, but then I've got to be reminded that, you know, 
how many people voted for Donald Trump and I know I go back and forth I know know. it's like I'm either in the mindset of like oh no it's all going to shit there's (laughs) there's no hope and then like then I switch randomly the next day to like oh my gosh we have so much power we can change the world it's gonna gonna be so and then the next day I'll be like fuck you know we're this world's a piece of shit yeah yeah we're fucked Oh, At least we're on the right side of history, Leah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, Alyssa, this has been a pleasure. Um, how can our listeners get in touch with you and, and share with us your, um, your TikTok? Yeah, that's where I spend most of my time on the internet is on my TikTok um, at always authentic Alyssa. And I share parts of my deconstruction story. I share parts of my, you know, my childhood, ways that I have, you know, you know, tried to break down um, different parts of the Bible that have been toxic for me. Mm. Um, A little bit of everything. Sometimes I just smoke weed and talk um, about really (laughs) stupid shit on there too. So (laughs) that's fun. Yeah. Uh, weed has been a very good medicine for me in the evenings. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I am a nurse. I'm a new nurse. And so it's against our um, policy, you know, uh-huh. like our license, we're not allowed to smoke weed and, um, and we have random drug testing at work. And so I am looking forward to the day when lead weed becomes legalized across yeah. the nation. And cause I work for a federal facility too. Anyway, and that it is a okay for me to like smoke weed and like take gummies and yeah, it's done wonders for my anxiety and just like helps me, um, you know, it really, it, it helps me take away so much of the judgment and shame that I still am working through. Like when I'm high, I just, I just accept myself for who I am. Everything's chill. You know, (laughs) if I have a, a thought I'm, I can just approach it from like a very chill mindset of like, okay, yeah, let's think about this. I love right, it. Cool. <laughs> I love so it's it. very healing. Love it. Well, young lady, this has been a, a treat and a treasure. Yes. Um, thank you I so much for having time. me. Yeah. I will be in touch and I'll let you know when the episode's going to air and um, we'll talk ba- touch base in the future. Perfect. Leah. That sounds right. great. Thank you. Have so a great much. day, Alyssa. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Women Beyond Faith, where we are finding freedom on the other side, one story at a time.